Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Just go to Indeed.com slash BrainsOn right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to BrainsOn, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. This is the bus to Worcester. If you're going to Leicester, that's the next bus. And if you're going to Bermuda, take me with you, please. Salutations! One human ticket, please! For me, a human named Henry J. Flyman! Nice try, pal! Read the sign! Hold your farts till you step outside! What? Now, the other sign! Honk if you're gaga for Gouda? No, this sign! No flies allowed. Oh, how how did you... How did I know you were hundreds of flies in a trench coat? Well, maybe the fact that you were all floating. Or that buzz. Or your face is literally a ball of flies spinning around in circles. But why? Why can't flies step onto the bus? Flying to Wooster takes so long. Because if we let you on, you'll be flying there midair, not touching a seat or the ground. And when I speed up the bus, we'll go forward and you won't. Splat! It's fly gutsarama all over the back of the buzz. I mean bus. Wait, that's not how physics works. I'm pretty sure it is, according to TikTok, I vaguely remember. No, I may be hundreds of flies in a trench coat, but I can assure you that is not how physics works. If that were the case, then if I hovered here right now, not touching the ground, then you would move away from me, because you are touching the Earth, and the Earth is always spinning. But we're both staying still. Well, I'll be. I think you may be right. So, will you sell me a ticket now? No way I'm selling you a ticket. Read the sign. Oh, the no flies sign? No, the other, other, other sign. The one that says, anyone who teaches me something cool gets to ride the bus for free. Come on up here, pal. Superb. Thank you. You're listening to Brains On from APM Studios. I'm Molly Bloom, and my co-host today is Bruce from Wellesley, Ontario. Hi, Bruce. Hi, Molly. 
You know, one of the best parts of working on this show is reading the many emails and letters we receive from our listeners every day. They're brimming with curiosity and fun and emojis. Lots of emojis. We got two emails that were so similar and so intriguing, we had no choice but to investigate. The first one was from Uma. The other day, I was riding the bus to school and there's a fly flying around. I was wondering that if the fly was just hovering there in the middle of the bus, shouldn't it crash? The bus is moving fast and the fly is not connected to it or sitting down like everyone else. If it did, would it crash into the back or the front? And the second was this one from Hazel and Eleanor. If a bee flies into a moving car, does it need to fly as fast as the moving car while it's inside or can it just hover? These are the kind of questions that can send your brain in circles. Right. Bruce, have you ever wondered something like this? Yeah, um, I certainly have. Do you like thinking about these kind of brain-bending ideas? Yeah. What do you daydream about? Life, the universe, everything. Dolphins. <laughs> Dolphins, excellent. Um, what kind of questions do you have sort of about, like, those big universe questions? If the universe is really infinite... And there's only a finite amount of worlds with life because finite is such a small amount of um, infinite. It could be saw, seen as zero. So does that technically mean there's no life in the universe? Whoa, that is a big question, Bruce. I think that's a good brain bender. Very good brain bender. Well... To answer this question about flies in vehicles, we talked to someone very comfortable with mind-bending questions. Sung-Q Kim. I've taught physics at McAllister College for the last 50 years. So I'm a long-time teacher. So what's the fate of a hitchhiking flying friend? The short answer is this. The fly is simply hovering in the air, and the air is carried by the bus. That means the bus is carrying the air, and the air is carrying the fly. So if the bus is moving, the air is also moving. The fly can just keep hovering in that air and be carried along like the rest of the passengers. So if the fly is in the bus, and the bus is going down the street at 30 miles per hour, the fly itself is not flying 30 miles an hour to keep up. It's just hovering. But also the fly, the bus, and the people on the bus, they're all moving at 30 miles per hour because that's how fast the bus is moving through space. But also, maybe the fly isn't moving at all. That's because it's all relative. We'll explain more about that in a second. These questions from Uma, Hazel, and Eleanor, and their answers are very complicated. Actually... This is the kind of question Einstein thought about. So it's a profound question. I want, I want them to know that. <laughs> They're asking very profound questions. Albert Einstein was a scientist, and when he asked these kinds of questions, the same kind that Uma and Eleanor and Hazel are asking, he came up with something called the theory of general relativity, which was really a brand new way of thinking of time, space, gravity, and the universe itself. Essentially, what Einstein said is motion and rest are relative concepts. That means whether you are moving or staying still all depends on how you are looking at it. Relative to the bus, if you're on the bus, you are at rest. But if you're on the ground, then the bus is moving. 
So you're sitting on the bus that's driving down the road. In relation to the bus, you're not moving. You're sitting still. You look around at the floor or the seat in front of you, and it's all staying put. But let's say I'm standing on the sidewalk, and I see you sitting on the bus through the bus window as you go zooming by. I would definitely say you were moving, right? That's because, relative to me, you were moving. Whoa, brain bending. Here's another example from Sung Kyu Kim. When you're on an airplane, especially if the flight is very smooth and you are flying over the ocean and you don't see anything underneath except water, then you look out the window and you feel like the plane is not moving. So there's no sensation of motion. It's actually moving really fast, over 500 miles per hour. So it turns out you can't always tell the difference between whether you're moving or at rest. That's called Einstein's principle of relativity. It's the idea that motion and rest are relative concepts. It depends on who's looking and how they are looking. Right. But all of that is based on a car or bus going in a straight line at a constant speed. Not speeding up, not slowing down, no turns or bumps in the road. If the bus or car were to quickly stop or turn, the fly and the people inside would feel the effects. They'd all slide forward or to the side, for example. Then they'd suddenly feel like they were moving. Now that you're starting to grasp relative motion in cars and planes, ponder this. Even when you're sitting on the floor, no vehicle in sight, you're still moving relative to something. After all, the Earth is constantly spinning. You just don't feel it because everything around you is moving just as fast as you are. Not only that, but this spinning planet is also making large circles around the sun. So it's flying 67,000 miles per hour relative to the sun. And the galaxy our whole solar system is in is moving relative to other galaxies. So depending on how you look at it, nothing is actually still anywhere in the universe. Try explaining that to someone next time they say you need to sit still. Mind-bendy enough for you? It's mind-bendy, all right, but I could go even bendier. I was doing brain yoga before this taping, so my mind is super limber today. Well, just you wait. We're going to turn your brain into a pretzel in a minute. But first, this idea of general relativity is very important. So important that we wanted to really explore it a bit. We asked some scientists to help explain it in different ways. Right. You heard our bus example. So here are some other explanations using different ways of getting around. Take it away, physics friends. My name is Andrea Bryant. I'm a PhD candidate at University of Chicago. So let's imagine we have a little green alien on Saturn. Uh, and also uh, we have a brains-on spaceship right outside of Saturn looking at the little green alien. And let's say that the spaceship is more or less not, it's not moving. The little green alien would look and see this spaceship moving because from his point of view, he's just glued to Saturn as it's rotating. But the brains-on spaceship, since it's stationary, would see the little green alien moving because he's rotating with Saturn. My name is Carlos. I'm a PhD student in the physics department here at the University of Chicago in Chicago, Illinois. And I study cosmology, which is basically the, the study of the entire 14 billion year history of our universe. So 
The sort of classical example um, that we're taught in school is that imagine you're a sailor on a on a ship below deck and the water is really calm. And so the ship is moving steadily along. It's not rocking, rocking back and forth or anything. And because you're below deck, you wouldn't be able to tell if the ship was moving or standing still. But then as soon as the ship, say, starts speeding up or waves start crashing against the ship, then you start feeling these forces of acceleration and you become aware that you are moving. My name is Jamie Valentine Miller. I'm a patent examiner for the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. I'm also the founder of African American Women in Physics Incorporated, which is a nonprofit that works to help support diversity in STEM. There's an experiment you can try when you're on a roller coaster or one of those drop rides. You can put the penny on your knee and as you drop, you can see what happens to the penny. For a, a bit, the penny will stay stationary uh, if your eyes are open <laughs> and if you're, you're able to really focus on it. Um, but that's another way to kind of think about general relativity because even though you are moving, the penny for a bit stays still until gravity starts to act on it. Okay. Let's give the deep-thinking part of the brain a break and work out another set of brain cells. It's time for the... Mystery sound. Bruce, are you ready for the mystery sound? Yep, I'm ready. All right, here it is. Oh, I think, I think that is raindrops pattering on a metal roof. Hmm, I like that idea. Okay. It was noisy, that's for sure. I don't know what it is either. So we will have another chance to hear it and guess and hear the answer right after the credits. So keep listening. We're working on an episode about how creatures would evolve on other planets, so we want you to do a little dreaming with us. Imagine you find life on another planet. How would that life greet you? What would it sound like in their language to say hi? Would they even have language? Or maybe they would greet you another way. Bruce, if you found a creature on another planet, how do you imagine they would say hi? I don't know. It really depends on the planet. If it were Jupiter, I think they wouldn't um, have evolved communications yet. I think they'd be really basic because the force of gravity is so high that it would be really hard for them to move muscles without training them for Jupiter years on end. Mm, very good answer. On the other hand, if they were on Mars, then I think they'd have a very deep voice because of their large lungs, which I think they would have because of the very thin atmosphere on Mars. So they'd say hi like, hello, but in alien voice. Yeah, what do you think the word for hello would be in their language? Moom. Oh, very nice. Can I hear that in your low voice? Moom. Oh, very good. Very well-reasoned responses, Bruce. 
Listeners, we want to hear how you imagine an alien creature would say hi. Record yourself and send it to us at brainson.org slash contact. While you're there, you can also send us mystery sounds, drawings, high fives, and questions. Like this one. My question is, why do snails have shells and slugs do not? You can find an answer to that question on our Moment of Um podcast. It's a short daily dose of facts and curiosity you can find wherever you listen to Brains On. Again, that's brainson.org slash contact. And keep listening. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. This is Brains On. I'm Bruce. And I'm Molly. And we're talking about one of the most important ideas in physics, relativity. It's one of many big ideas thought up by Albert Einstein. Today, the word Einstein is shorthand for genius. Someone say, wow, he's a real Einstein. She's a real Einstein. But Einstein himself wasn't always seen that way. As a kid, he said he was slow to talk. And he didn't get great grades in school, especially in subjects that bored him. But when he was interested in something, he'd often spend a lot of time thinking about it. And when he was thinking, he'd often make up thought experiments. A thought experiment is when you try to imagine something as a way of seeing how it might work. One of his famous thought experiments involved a person in an elevator. For our purposes, let's use Bob. Hi there! Let's stick Bob in an empty elevator. Oh! An elevator! So fun! I love how it has four walls. <laughs> Classic. Now, if Bob was just standing in this elevator on Earth, and the elevator wasn't going up or down, he would simply feel the weight of gravity holding him in place. Gravity is the force that holds us down on the planet. Without it, we'd float away. Good old gravity! Like a hog that keeps me grounded. Shouldn't there be buttons in this thing? Where am I going anyway? But what if we put Bob and the elevator in space where there is no gravity? Oh boy. Okay, am I supposed to be floating? This is a strange elevator. I should call someone to come fix it. I, oops, I dropped my cell phone and now it's floating away. <laughs> Get back here. Next, let's imagine what would happen if there were rocket boosters attached to the bottom of the elevator. When the boosters fired up, the elevator would start flying fast, and the force of that would push Bob back down. Suddenly, Bob and the cell phone and anything else in that elevator would suddenly fall back to the floor, as if there was gravity again. Oof! Ow! 
what happened? Oh, now I can grab my cell phone. I should get a lease for this thing. Well, glad they fixed the gravity. But Bob isn't actually experiencing gravity. He's still in space, far from any planet. But to him, firing up those rocket boosters creates a feeling like gravity. He doesn't know what he's experiencing isn't actually the real thing. For Bob, that feeling is relative. Einstein's thought experiment was a lot like our example, and it helped him come up with some of the ideas found in his theory of general relativity. He also said when he was a teenager, he would imagine what it would be like to fly along a beam of light. And he had other famous thought experiments that involved people falling from roofs and moving trains. These thought experiments helped him work out his ideas. They helped other people understand his ideas, too. And it's exactly what Uma, Hazel, and Eleanor were doing when they asked us those questions about flying bugs. Here's Sung Q. Kim again. Einstein thought pure thought was so powerful. And he kept saying, you can understand the universe by pure thought. Curiosity, that's the, that's the starting point. Like these girls, they are curious. They observe something and want to know. They want to be able to explain it. So once you can wrap your mind around this idea that everything is relative, that things change depending on who is observing and from where, Sung Q Kim says you're ready to start tackling some really big questions about the nature of the universe itself. When you push that principle of relativity deeply, it eventually shows you that time is relative. Wait, time is relative? So how time works can be different for different people? Yep. Okay, now my brain is feeling pretty stretched. Tell me everything. Einstein figured out that not only is motion relative, but time and space are relative, too. Part of this idea is that if you travel very, very, very fast, time will move slower for you. So, imagine you have two clocks set to the exact same time. Ready? Synchronize! Now imagine you took one of those clocks and sent it up into space on a super-fast rocket. And the other clock is sitting on Earth. On that ship, time flows normally, but the rocket is circling the planet at near light speeds. But after, say, a year of this, when that rocket lands, the clocks will be different. That zooks the clocks. They don't match up anymore. They're out of sync. So even though only one year passed on the rocket, five years may have passed here on Earth. Whoa. Time was different depending on where you were and how fast you were moving. That is bananas and so cool. Yes, and that was just a made-up example, a hypothetical one. But get this, we actually see this happen with satellites. They zoom around the planet at pretty fast speeds. They also have clocks on them, and after a while, they'll get out of sync with Earth clocks. Meaning time on the satellites was moving at a different speed relative to time here on the ground. Exactly. As they circle the planet, they slowly fall out of sync with clocks on Earth and need to be reset every once in a while, just as Einstein's work predicted. Mind bent and kneaded like sourdough. 
right? I know. So twisted. So next time you see a fly hovering on the bus. Or a bee flies through the window of a car. Or something else catches your eye and your imagination. Don't just forget it. Follow the thought and see where it takes you. Movement is relative. That means it depends on whose point of view you're talking about. A person on a bus might feel like they are sitting still in their seat. But someone on the sidewalk would say they're moving really fast. If we stand in one place, we feel like we're still. But if you zoom way out, we're on a planet that is spinning and orbiting the sun. These are some of the ideas in Albert Einstein's theory of relativity. He came up with these thoughts and many more using his imagination. That's it for... Hey! Anyone there? I've been stuck in this elevator for a while now, and I'm not really sure what's going on. Oh no! We forgot about Bob. He's stuck in our thought experiment. Quick, let's imagine him somewhere nicer. A beach? Too sunny for Bob. A theme park? He gets sick on coasters. The movies? Too exciting. The zoo? Too exciting. A museum? Too exciting. Bob likes to keep things real (gasps) low-key. I got it! A museum before they hang up any paintings. Oh, perfect. (gasps) Hey, now, is this a museum before they hang up any paintings? (laughs) Don't mind if I do. Well, 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 look at this beautiful wall. So white, so empty. You know, a blank wall is the real art, I always say. Oh, is that an electrical outlet? I wonder if it has three holes or just two. I better go inspect. Oh, three holes. This is so exciting. I love how the outlets look like little faces. Hello there, outlet face. Did you see these beautiful walls? That's it for this episode of Brains On. This episode was produced by Santa Totten, Molly Bloom, Rosie DuPont, Anna Goldfield, Anna Waggle, Nico Gonzalez-Whistler, Aron Woldeslossi, Molly Quinlan, Ruby Guthrie, and Mark Sanchez. This episode was edited by Shayla Farzan and sound designed by Rachel Breeze. Beth Perlman is our executive producer. The executives in charge of APM Studios are Chandra Kavati, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Special thanks to Chris Colvin, Melissa Winkler, and Eric Ringham. And my class, 6C, at Wellesley Public School. And my brother Clyde. Brains On is a nonprofit public radio program. There are a ton of ways you can support the show. Head to brainson.org. While you're there, you can send your fan art, your questions, even your mystery sounds. And you can also subscribe to our Smarty Pass. Add free episodes and bonus stuff just for you. Okay, Bruce, are you ready to listen to the mystery sound again? Oh, yeah. All right, here it is. There's a lot happening there. What did you hear this time? Um, I still, hmm, I actually think it's the classic raindrops falling into a bucket out of an eaves trough. Classic. Should we hear the answer? Yep. Also, I'd like to say a thanks to whoever sent that mystery sound to Brains On. <laughs> well, we're about to find out. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Hi, my name is Charlie. 
And this is the sound of my mom flipping over puzzle pieces. Oh, puzzle pieces. Yeah. Well, thanks, Charlie. Very good mystery sound, Charlie. That was a tough one. Mm-hmm. It makes sense, though. I also thought it was totally. drumsticks falling out of a bag. That would yes, kind of make I could a hear clattering that. sound, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, mystery sounds are tough. Now it's time for the Brain's Honor Roll. These are the kids who keep the show going with their questions, ideas, mystery sounds, drawings, and high fives. Rayanche from Illinois, Lydia from Indiana, Bodie from Elgin, Oregon, Santino from Albany, New York, Owen from Yorkville, Illinois, Emerson from Goleta, California, Aziza from Chicago, Jenna from Longview, Washington, Silas from Durango, Colorado, Leisha from Salt Lake City, Liam from Colorado Springs, Peyton and Gage from Overland Park, Kansas, Pearl from Salem, Oregon, Linnea from Singapore, Maddie from Olympia, Washington, Isabel and Ian from St. Bézier Le Grand, Quebec, Julie, Emily, Liam, and Carlos from South Carolina, Koa from Kailua, Kona, Hawaii, Lucas from Burlington, Ontario, Adam from Cambridge, Massachusetts, Noah and Elliot from Wake Forest, North Carolina, Jude from Hudsonville, Michigan, Miles from Lehigh, Utah, Quinn from Hamilton, Ontario, Jackson from Easton, Massachusetts, Molly from DeKalb, Illinois, Maddie and Jillian from Baltimore, Theo from Manassas, Virginia, Becca Rose from Beaufort, South Carolina, Oliver and Porter from Talo, Fofo, Guam, Jenna from Amman, Jordan, Quinn and Emmett from Kentville, Nova Scotia, Sebastian and Eliza from Toronto, Margarita and Alexis from Elko, Newmarket, Minnesota, Arabella from Arlington, Texas, Spencer from San Francisco, Josh from Calgary, Emily from Houston, Texas, Ms. Greenwell's class in Jacksonville, Florida, Allison, Zoe, Miranda, Levi, Charlie, and Billy from Dublin, Ireland, Grace, Lucy, Ellie, and Grant from Dublin, Ireland, Isaiah and Sterling from Georgia, Saria from Brookfield, Illinois, Henry and Francis from Cottage Grove, Minnesota, Emmett and Mia from Portland, Oregon, Cashel from Stewart, Florida, Amira from Memphis, Tennessee, Carson from Aloha, Oregon, Davis, Oliver, and Archer from Honolulu, Max from Utah, Roshan from Raleigh, North Carolina, Mariana from Papamoa, New Zealand, Aaron from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Shreyas from Singapore, Belle from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Nola and Ainsley from Brighton, Colorado, Will and Noah from Portland, Oregon, Saria from Calgary, Sawyer from Victoria, Minnesota, George from Chattahoochee Hills, Georgia, Rini from Lakewood, Colorado, Solomon from Davidson, North Carolina, Amelia from Terrytown, New York, Finley from North Oaks, Minnesota, Lola from San Jose, California, Oz from Newburgh, New York, Asha from Sydney, Australia, Max and Ezra from Toronto, Claudia from Shirley, New York, and Loic from Vancouver. We'll be back next week with more answers to your questions. Thanks for listening.